0: G'day legends and welcome to the Celtic Den Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight are Sean, Liam, and Shane. How are you, Shane?
1: Good, thank you, mate. Uh, coping with a hot day, and what better way to cope with a hot day than with a cool, snazzy new t-shirt? <laughs> I was going to
0: say, we're twinning over here. You and me both got the Celtic Den Under t-shirt, so I'm going to love it. Uh, yeah, they're available. We'll put the info up a bit later on in the pod, but yeah, if you're keen on that, buy our merch.
1: They are quality, can confirm.
0: How are you, Liam?
2: Well, meanwhile, I'm envying both of you being able to wear a T-shirt because I've got four layers on here and I'm still freezing. Oh, Maybe God, you need God. last week's hoodie I was wearing then. Uh, it's, you know, <laughs> it's weird that you wouldn't think coming back from Scotland to Japan that it would be colder, but it is, it's It's about 10 degrees colder here than it was in Hamilton last week. Mm-hmm. So, uh yeah, it's, uh, it's a it's a wee culture shock to say the least, but uh, good good wee holiday. Saw um you know saw family, saw saw a couple of friends, saw um saw my my two bricks, the one at Celtic Park and the one at Ibrox. Um Thanks again to my mates in high school for that one.
3: <laughs> quality gift, quality oh,
2: Ab- absolute quality. Aye, good. but no, aye, I all in. Know. Good good times, um, good times. Good to be back, look and uh, good to talk about Celtic again. And how are you, Sean?
3: Yeah, good. A couple of bits of news. I've just uh, discovered that there's an army of redbacks moved into my garden, so that's a, a battle that's just beginning now. Uh, for anyone that's outside Australia, a redback is just our equivalent of a black widow spider. So I'm going to have to deal with that. And the, the second piece of news that I was reeling from this week was discovering that Shane is a, a supporter of the West Coast Eagles, the, the Australian equivalent of Rangers. Uh in Aussie rules, <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna back this up here because I've never seen any other the only team in the world I know that has uh gets more penalties than Rangers from supporters, <laughs> umpires that support their own team. Uh and they also had Castori last year uh to boot. So I, I'm I'm saying it.
0: Do you want Do to know what you I'll jump in for you, first of all. <laughs> AFL, since the only team that gets more penalties than Rangers or the equivalent over here would be
1: Hawthorne. But <laughs> I'll, I'll now throw back to you, Shane. I just, uh, I'm wondering if Sean should disclose who uh, his AFL team is, just for clarity.
3: <laughs> uh, I'm a Dockers fan, yes. Dockers. There we go.
1: So for, the, uh, for those outside of Australia, the, the local uh, rivalry, if you will, uh, of the Dockers and the Eagles. Uh, so well, I just wonder if that was a bit pointed in that discussion there.
3: Yeah, but also the fact is that because there's only two teams in Western Australia and the umpires are all from Western Australia, they're going to support basically one or the other, and they tend to always support the Eagles, which sounds very familiar to a situation in Scotland, <laughs> if you ask me. Yeah,
1: I've been blindsided by this. I didn't know this was coming. Classic <laughs> stitch-up, classic stitch-up, Shane. Absolutely. Oh, goodness yeah, me. No, first... no more chatting anymore. No more, no more discussions <laughs> before the point
0: <laughs> For your first issue, Sean, what about mm-hmm. the Redbacks? Nice and right. easy. There's a, there's a natural solution for it. Other, You've got the one the greenies will like and then the one the greenies won't like. So the one the greenies won't like, flamethrower, get rid of their nest, sort of, right? <laughs> the one the greenies will like is you just go and get some daddy legs spiders, have them in your house or wherever oh. they are. Daddy longlegs is actually the most poisonous spider that there is, but their teeth are too small to be able to be a threat to Australians, not to Australians, to humans. They can't bite through our skin, but they can take out pretty much any other spider in the world. Hmm. So, if you have a couple of daddy long legs, they'll eat them all. Nice.
3: I did not know right. that. Trading one spider for the other. At least it will kill my three year old. You
0: can tell I grew up on a farm, can't you, in Australia? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and there's a daddy long legs in the corner of this room up there, too, right there. Happy days. Hmm. The it's interesting
3: because the redbacks are always at ground level and the daddy long legs are always at roof height. So, they must like have some sort of battle in the middle at some point in the night.
0: Oh yeah, of course. It's like um, you know, it'd be like uh, what is it, the Battle of the Bastards or something on the Thrones or yeah, something else along those sort of lines. Um, Battle of Helms Deep for those nerds and stuff like that. who like um Lord of the Rings? Something
3: there was like a, there that there was anyway. a social media post this week of a cow down here eating a snake. Uh, I seen. I it was bizarre. There's some weird stuff going on with the wildlife down here.
0: Nothing to say here, that's just normal. Welcome to Australia. I've, mate. I've yeah. eaten snake before. Yeah, but you're not a cow.
3: Ah fair <laughs> point. You don't have a ruminant digestive system.
0: I <laughs> am. When you say you've yeah. eaten snake before, mm-hmm. come on, choose your follow up sentence very carefully.
2: Uh snake soup is a delicacy in Hong Kong commonly served in winter time. Okay. That's all. Okay. Go ahead fast. and make your own jokes about me and be deep throat and a long thing or whatever. But I, you know, no, right? All I did was eat some snake meat in a soup. No.
0: Right. <laughs> well, oh, anyone who's still watching, thanks for listening. We got through all that national geo slash whatever chat. Now it's time to talk Celtic. So we'll start off with the game on the weekend. Celtic two, Kilmarnock nil. I'll throw it to you, Sean. You do a um every Monday. You're doing a little weekend roundup sort of thing that we have on our YouTube channel. A nice bit of satire there. It's been two weeks in. Check them out. It's doing well, mate. So thanks for that. Keep it up. So I'll throw to you first to discuss the game. I've told the boys I've been crook. If you can't tell with my voice and everything, I've got a throat infection, not well. So I've only seen the highlights of the game. So I'm going to bow out on this one and let you boys talk about it because you've probably seen more of it than I have. But over to you, Sean.
3: Yeah, overall frustrating first half, uh, not many chances, and uh, a much better second half. And the kind of uh, Shane mentioned it last week on the pod, and we've talked about it in the past that having that lead over teams really makes a difference. Uh, a one goal lead uh, for us is the same as nil nil when it comes to what opposition teams do. So we really need that two goal lead, and, and when we did get that two goal lead, it, it did open up. Um, and and you've seen it, we hit the post three times. Jackie Marcus must have been so unlucky. Uh, and maybe we can talk about him later when it comes to transfer rumours, but he, had a, he put in some effort when he came on. Uh, Hitati was man in a match, which was interesting, given the kind of online fake furore that was going on around him this week on Twitter. I don't know if you guys were tracking it. Uh, which podcast was it? I don't know if we should mention him put up a, a post saying, is Hitati really that good? And had some stats to back up their point. And then Hitati made absolute mincemeat of Kilmarnock at the weekend. And, and he had a great game last week against uh, Sevco as well. And then he got man of the match at the weekend. Uh, quite deservedly so. Uh, I thought another player that had a great game as well was uh, Alessandro Burnaby. I thought he had a lot of great touches, uh, great movement. He still gives the ball away a little too much for my liking, but... Uh, that through ball for the first goal was was just outstanding. Like the, It was like a 40 yards pass, which is perfect weight that uh, Maeda could run onto without it going out of play. Something that Greg Taylor does every now and again, that just kind of defence splitting past to Maeda. And, and I think I think the reason it, it only happens on our left, because Maeda is pretty much the only player in the world with the pace to get onto those through balls at the right time, they don't happen on the right. Uh, like Jota and, uh, sorry, Ralston and Jota and Yanovich down there, they play kind of much shorter 1-2s uh, and triangles and, and balls in behind uh, compared to the left-hand side. And, and I think that is down to the pace of Maeda. So, so overall, we were very good. Hitati, Burnaby were outstanding. Yeah, the goals were kind of what we need to do to break teams down and, and it should have been much more than two. Shane, what's your
0: thoughts
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I pretty much echo most of what Sean said. The first half was pretty frustrating. Um, we were okay, but we we weren't playing with our usual zip, the, the passing, the pace of, of our ball movement, the, the movement off the ball just wasn't there. We got into a couple of good areas. I, I thought Bernabe actually didn't have the best of starts. He lost the ball a couple of times. He overhit about two or three crosses, but he slowly worked into the game, and I'd back up Sean in the sense that I think he really... That defence-building pass to put Maeda through, I wholeheartedly agree, was outstanding, and he carried that on in the second half, and I thought that that, um, that's his best game for the club so far, and uh, it's a good step forward for this extended run that he's got. Um, Getting back to the match itself, second half, I thought we looked a lot better. We looked a lot sharper, both with ball movement and without. And we created a lot more in that second half. And I think um, just to touch on a different player to what was mentioned, I thought Jota was uh, important in that second half. I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, I thought he was actually sort of getting back to to what we'd seen from him, very creative, um, you know, getting involved a lot more. Um, and you're right. It, it, it should have been more than 2-0. Like, uh, Jack Amakis, when he came on, worked hard. I was so frustrated he didn't get on the score sheet, particularly with that looping shot. Like that would have been fantastic. But, you know, the Kelly's best defender was the goalpost in the end. Like that he, <laughs> you know, that stopped the game from being a rout. And, um, yeah, look, overall, first half, relatively frustrating. Second half, much better than what we're used to. To highlight another player uh, that I thought had a good game, uh, just quickly, was uh Johnston. So I thought he looked good and... Um, you know, one of the things we always query about a, a new player is will they fit into the system or, or how's that going to go? You know, seeing him, you know, when we'd attack, almost end up at left back in the end, uh, I think he's going to fit into the system pretty well and, and he looks like he's uh, he's going to be a good signing. So very happy with him so far.
0: Yeah, I all the was... Johnston is that he's pretty much hit the ground running and he pretty much covers every blade of grass, so he fits right in on that front as well, but... Yeah, I thought, from what I saw in the highlights here, yeah, you guys have covered it pretty well there. Should have been more. Um, second half was much better than the first and, um, yeah, there's there's some players there that are just starting to get some form, which is good, especially, you know, after the break that we've had, so happy days, but You were going to say something, Sean?
3: I was just going to say there was on Johnson. There was one point where he was in an offside position on the left wing in the second in the first half, rather, and I was like, uh, "Surely that's going to get reeled in a little bit." I mean, there's 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 all for being an attacking fullback, and then there's being offside in the opposite side of the pitch, you know.
1: Well, I was trying to think of how you could equate that to like you know some sort of metric. You know, what kind of fullback is he? Is he like a diagonal fullback? But I'm just not smart enough with that kind of stuff. So um, I kind of gave up on that idea. But, yeah, like w- watching him, particularly in that second half, I thought, yeah, he, he's taken this pretty well. And I remember what exactly what you have picked up on, and I thought maybe taking to this a little too well. So, yes, I think that'll be reined in a little bit. Well, well, Liam, sorry so to yeah, you,
3: yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, no, Sean, you go ahead.
3: No, I was going to go off on one, so you go on.
2: <laughs> well, to, to to be honest, you guys have summed it all up pretty well because I was jet lagged to hell that night and I barely remember the game apart from the goals. So uh, I think there's not really much I can add to this conversation. So uh, go ahead and rant away. <laughs> uh,
3: no, I was actually going to talk about uh, fullbacks and how modern football seems to be divided on this. Uh, but what Postacoglu does, it's different from most modern coaches, is what he does with his fullbacks. And I think there's some books kicking around about that, uh, Ball and stuff like that. Because if you watch a, a Guardiola team, it's all about the fullbacks being getting to the byline and, and coming in around the wing. Like uh, but in Postecoglou, the your fullbacks will come in to be the kind of almost number six role, uh, come into the midfield as almost a center mid. So that kind of direction that the fullbacks move is is what Postecoglou has in his system that stands out from other teams. Uh, just on what you were mentioning, Shane?
0: Just on that, Sean, as well. What he does is, you know, a lot of teams, they were playing that, there was that 4-2-3-1 four, formation that everyone was playing for years, right? Mm-hmm. So with us only playing the 1-6 in Calmac, then the inverted, say so if the ball's out on the right, the right wing back's going to stay out, the left one's going to tuck in to basically be your second number six alongside him. So inverting it in that way is basically taking that from what everyone used to do but then still having a guy out being attacking on the other side. So kind of makes sense.
3: Yeah, and it gives you three players for a triangle on that whatever side once the fullbacks come in there. Because you've got your Matt O'Reilly or Rio Itate, whoever's on whatever side, you've got your winger and then you've got your fullback and it forms a triangle, which is something that I wasn't on last week to talk about it, but when we played Sevko and Juranovic came on, it wasn't just... What he was doing defensively, uh, he was offering nothing offensively. There was one point where Hitati went forwards and he links up with Maeda and the two of them are looking rounds for the third man and Yranovic was nowhere and the move just breaks down. So without that kind of fullback support in those triangles, our system just fails, which was kind of really, Yranovic is one of his biggest problems last week, apart from the fact that he was poor defensively.
1: And if I can just step in for a sec, I think that probably highlights sort of or maybe underlines what I was trying to say about Johnston. It's it's not that kind of system that I would imagine would be, I wouldn't say not easy, but obviously that takes a little bit of time to refine and get used to because I don't imagine you maybe come through a youth career kind of playing as an inverted fullback or anything like that. So for him to kind of show that movement and flexibility already and, you know, Still keep his defensive position when he needs to. I, I think he's really shown that he can pick this up very quickly. Um, and on that basis alone, and his form, I think he's going to be. He's a really encouraging signing so far, and I think he'll he'll continue to to grow, which is just really, yeah, exciting. So
0: last week on the pod, I said that I was a little unsure with Ange. You know, in the derby, why I thought he put Juranovic at left back was I wasn't sure how he wanted to go in that sort of environment with Johnson and Burnaby on the pitch together. Now, I'd like to get your opinion on how Burnaby played because having only seen the highlights and looking at the stats and everyone giving their star ratings, he was our lowest of our starting players. So, Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it right now. So, no one of them, yeah, like Burnaby, three point eight out of five. Joe Hart, three point nine. Everyone else was four and above.
3: I don't know where that's coming from. To be totally honest with you, like, because yeah. because I I watch him quite critically. Um, like he oh, okay,
0: gets, that explains it. We'll he yeah, star ratings.
3: Yeah, I, I really focus on him when I'm when I'm watch. You know, like the same way that I kind of focus on Starfield and Moy because I feel like those are the sort of players that are just. You know, like if you've got your Jota and Carter Vickers level, and then like when you come down, you know, the ones that are at the bottom of the starting 11 for me are like your Starfelt, Bernabe Moy, like those kind of level players. So I watched them a bit more critically, and I thought that was not Bernabe's necessarily best game potentially, but it was, he was certainly very good. I thought I'm very surprised at that star rating.
1: I'm probably not. I wasn't as bullish as Sean. I thought he had uh, a poor start, and I thought that he probably didn't have a good first half overall. I felt apart from that, that pass that he played Maeda in, but I thought second half, he looked a lot better. Um, And um, yeah, look, I, I, it's enough for me to go. Yeah. I definitely want to see him continue. Like I, I think there's a little bit of concern there at left back. If he doesn't find form, I think we could still be looking at bringing someone in potentially, but after that second half, I looked at it and thought, you know what, he's got another couple of weeks. Let's see. Um, but it was encouraging um, in the end. Oh, look, I thought it probably was his best game for the club, but still, I-, I didn't think he had the best of first halves.
0: Bring up this comment here from Vanessa. So watch Burnaby against Sydney. Didn't look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wasn't too keen on him out here either. But you know, he's got to um, get a bit of a run into him.
1: So. To. to- well- Give a bit of a defence for him, though. Just before, Sorry, Liam. No, just, no, you um, go ahead, should. He wasn't the only one to look poor out here against Sydney.
2: There was about yeah, four so. or
1: five I think you could put into that bracket. Yep, I agree. Uh,
2: what I was going to say was, um, if we're not sure about Burnaby... Personally, I think Burnaby came on to a good game at the weekend from what I remember of it. Um, but um, Hatati played at right-back couple of games ago against Hibbs, did very well, I thought. Um, he earned Kawasaki's Player of the Year playing mostly at left-back um, in his final season before moving to Celtic. So we've got somebody there who can step in and do the job. Um, I think, based on current form, if Bernabe can... You know, Bernabe is the natural left-back, so he should be the first preference. But if his form doesn't doesn't you know hit the standard then hatati can come in i would rather have hatati playing there than have Juranovic playing out of position again because um you know if Juranovic stays which seems unlikely but even if he did i would still think that for me at the moment until greg taylor comes back it's bernabe or hatati in that position as far as i'm yeah, concerned
0: i have to agree with you on that, Liam, in that. We've seen it. Like it was a bit of a discussion on that in the Axon chat and in our group chat and a few other chats that we're in. Majority, some of us are involved in that. With Taylor being out, this is Burner Bay's chance to establish himself and make it and and prove that he should be in this in this squad and in this opportunity, and that he's ready to challenge Taylor for that spot. To me, Taylor's probably been our player of the season so far, just with his consistency and his level of performance. So it's kind of made it hard for. Bernabe to get a chance. So now he's got his chance. Prove that you're at the level. Prove that you're good enough. I would rather Bernabe play and get the run of games than have Atade playing out of position and then we're robbing Peter to pay Paul by putting one of our best central midfielders at left back and weakening our midfield. I'd rather keep our midfield nice and sweet and give Bernabe his chance. And worst case scenario, if we have to do it with, um, what's it called? Play Atade there occasionally or whatever, fine. But I want Bernabe to get first crack at it and, and try and make the position his own and put some pressure on Greg. Because if he does that, it just means the they're going to be challenging each other, which means their levels are going to be higher and higher and higher. Yeah, I would agree with that.
3: On the subject of uh, Hatati playing there, to me, like, Hatati being a midfielder at fullback is very much similar to Bernabe, who is a winger being at fullback. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. It's basically putting that, you know, it's normally I'd give Burnaby the edge because he's left-footed in, in that debate. The, in the, the first five minutes of that game against Comorna, they did target, you're talking about him having a poor start. They were targeting him, like with Vassell and with extra players. They were closing down his his outpass. Uh, it, you know, there was one moment where he plays an amazing, an incredible one too, like along the line with Tati to get out that pressure. And even then, they were still having Vassell target him as well. Uh, And then they kind of went away from that as well because Carter Vickers just kept covering. And there was one point where uh, your man Vassell got to run uh, and behind uh, Burnaby. And Carter Vickers just went over and just just waited and then just put his body in between Vassell and the ball. And, you know, the guy just kept going down. Like, he couldn't deal with... uh, Carter Vickers was an absolute rock in behind. So it did help Burnaby that he did have Carter Vickers uh, covering him there. And we're playing Kilmarnock again this weekend. So I'd say that they're, you know, then kind McKenna of said after the game, uh, they, they need to find what the answer is. They're so dealing with Celtic because we're the best Celtic team he's ever played. And, and he compared his and, and he mentioned compared to the Invincibles as well. Uh So I'd say that Kilmarnock's tactic this weekend is going to be much the same. It's going to be park two buses. It's going to be time waste as much as you can. um, It's going to be, and then it's try basically try and stay within one goal, uh, to try and then bring Kyle Lafferty on for the last 15, 20 minutes. And I'd imagine they'll they'll stick Kyle Lafferty on top of Burnaby when he does come on.
0: Throw those elbows in a Burnaby and see what he can do. If he can if he can cause some damage on the scoreboard or damage by, you know, taking out another one of our players. But sounds like what you're saying, Sean, is it's a typical Derek McKenna's hatchet job against Celtic. He's got no idea how to beat us, so he goes out there to try and kick the shit out of us and then go from there.
3: The only thing that's going to be different this Saturday is that the pitch will be bigger, which is probably good for someone like Burnaby, uh, and that we won't have our own ball boys uh, <laughs> who were marked out of the game by Alan Power. Um, so teams are actually in the point now where they're intercepting passes from the ball boys. I don't know if you've seen that video. but uh, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've stuck it on my 10-minute my quickie video if you want to check it out. Alan Power intercepting a pass from a ball boy and then running away with the ball. Uh, I don't know how that's not a booking is beyond me I don't you know referees are going to allow teams to do this and it's not really a good look it doesn't really encourage positive play in Scottish football I get it helps if you're Kilmarnock and you're just trying to not get murdered violently uh, on the football pitch but is that good for Scottish football I wouldn't have thought so Face
0: it bottles sucked Your protein shakes always come out lumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a Blendjet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. Blendjet 2 is portable so you can make a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water and a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, there's a BlendJet 2 to complement just about any style. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code CELTIC12 to get 12% off your order and free 2-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code CELTIC12 to get 12% off your order and a free 2-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. I'll let you boys keep talking about that for a second. I'm just trying to find some stats that I saw yesterday, which ties into something Sean was saying. So, um, yeah, what do you think? We'll we'll preview the game on the weekend first before we get into the other stuff. So let's talk about the League Cup. uh, What is it, Saturday over there, Sunday morning, our time. So Mm -hmm. do you think we're going to have many, many changes there or do you think it's going to be pretty much what we played on the weekend, just gone? What do you think, Shane?
1: Uh, look, I don't expect many changes. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we had the same starting 11, to be honest. I know Ange does like to make a few tweaks here and there, but um, I, I'm expecting, if not that start, same starting 11, close to. Um, whether or not Moy goes out for O'Reilly is probably the one I'm thinking of at the moment. I, um, I thought O'Reilly looked pretty fresh when he came on uh, in his small cameo against Killy. Um, and I didn't think Moy. Whilst he was still good on the ball, I didn't think he had the most. Well, he didn't have uh, kind of the usual impact he does playing as that most, or well, seemingly playing as that most advanced midfielder. Um, so maybe O'Reilly comes back in for Moy. Um, that's all I can really see.
2: Yeah, I would. Uh, I would pretty much agree with that. I think you don't. You know, don't change a winning team unless you have to, especially if it's the same. Team you're playing against, and you know as as Sean said, they're going to set up exactly the same way. Um, but bigger pitch, I think also the uh, just the the kind of a the pressure's off a bit because we've already beat them recently, and you know they're going to have to try they're going to try a different game plan, come on look. But I think that they they only have one game plan against us, and it is just a, a brick wall, and the. Uh, you know, once we find our way through that, I think it could open up a lot more than it did at the weekend. If we can get the goal a bit earlier, get a couple of goals early perhaps, I I could see it being a three or four nil. I think we could do a number on them because we should have done that last weekend, were it not, for that bloody goal post. But there you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, but also, like as you're saying, it's wide, o- wide open spaces at then so it's more room. And then mm-hmm. also, as we're saying, well... They're gonna have to have a different game plan because it's a cup semi final. You want to get in the cup final, you got to win. So they can't sit back the way they do. If we get an early goal, then they have to come out and play, and then that opens things up more. So it's a bit of give and take. Like if they can keep it nil all or just one goal in our favour, or whatever. Going into the last twenty minutes, then that's the game they want. If we can get one or two in, in the first half, then all bets are off.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and this is what teams. This is why we need a two goal leads for the game to open up. Is Teams, well, it's 1-0 down. They're like, yep, that's fine. We'll just keep it to 1-0 and hope for to just get a set piece late in the game or something like that, you know. And, and we're, that's why we absolutely killed them. But After the subs at the weekend was, you know, we were bringing on outstanding players of outstanding quality. Uh, you know, James Forrest, Matt O'Reilly, Jackie Macus, fresh legs. You know, we actually went up a gear when those subs came on with the fresh legs. It wasn't like... And it's going to be the same at the weekend, but I don't know. I don't know why teams think that's going to work. Has it ever worked? When when did it last work? It was The only team that's beaten us this year was St. Marin, who got two goals. Were they both first-half goals? Yeah. Two set-pieces? I think
0: so, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Was it one set-piece or two set-pieces? By the way, like, that's your tactic, isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't really see what else. Teams are really playing for draw. And when you're playing for a draw, being one goal down is the same as being already drawing.
0: All right, we've got a question here for you, Liam, from Vanessa okay. in the comments. How will the new Japanese player fit into the team? Will he be a starting player? So we're talking about tomoki Iwata. Hmm. You had, well, you were at the press conference as well for that. So what we'll do is we'll get you to answer that question and then give hmm. us a little chat about the press conference that you did.
2: Okay, well, to answer the question, um, he he himself said that he sees himself as a, as a typical number six defensive midfielder. Um now Calmac is of course our number one guy in that position, but there are gonna be times where we're gonna need two players like that. Um for example, perhaps in a game against a team like Comarnik where you want a wee bit more steel, a bit more um aggression in the midfield as opposed to Flair. So I don't know if he's gonna start every game, but I do think he will play an important part in the squad. Um there's going to be a bit of moving in and about there. You might find o- O'Reilly drops out here and there, um, and Iwata might come in there. Moy might drop. You know, Moy's going to drop out occasionally. Calmak might need a rest from time to time. Um, and like I said, there's going to be formations, you know, games against, for example, Sefco, whatever, we might want to have the two tackling midfielders. So I think he's got definitely got a, a very involved role to play in the rest of the season. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see what he's what he's going to do. Now, to expand on the on the press conference yesterday, um, it was interesting. He um, he seems to have a better command of English than the other players did coming in because I could tell with his reactions that he understood some of the questions before they were translated. Um, so he clearly has a but now it shouldn't really matter, but you know, that will perhaps give him a slight edge in terms of bedding in more quickly. Um, if he already knows the language. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he said that his, his idol growing up was Ronaldinho, but, uh, he's not that type of player. As I say, he's a defensive midfield number six. Um, and he also said that, um, the, I asked him about the prospect of basically playing a season and a half without, uh, a major break because the, the J League runs from November, sorry, from March to November and then he's come in in December uh, so he's not really had a break but he said he had about two or three weeks off, um, as the way things worked out and he loves football so he'll play anytime, which uh, is something that I think is really good to hear uh, so he said that definitely there's no lack of uh, there's no lack of uh, desire. There is no fatigue on his part, mental or physical. He's up for it. He can't wait to get started. And uh, yeah, he was making all the right noises. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do.
0: Good. Looking forward to seeing him in the uh, in the hoops out there playing. Do you think he'll be on the bench this weekend?
2: Hope so. Yeah, I think him and Kobayashi both could make an appearance if we're a, if we're a couple of goals up by halftime. Nice. I, I
3: wouldn't have thought he'd have any trouble uh, settling in with all the Chinese players that we've got already <laughs> at the club.
2: What a <laughs> bunch of
0: knobs! <laughs> yeah. I, I sent through that zombie, that zombie watch thing last night to everyone, but it was just yeah. unbelievably stupid. Oh, God. It was, br- it was brilliant. There was some. For those who don't know, I'm trying to find it now. There was a um a a video on like a, pod, a video pod like what we're doing on one of the Rangers channels. And the absolute pillock on there – I had to use that term because it's a good one – is um, trying to say that he's done his research and Chinese players don't get along well with Korean players, even though they're allies. But he's done his, he's done his research. Mm-hmm. Any Chinese player at Celtic is in the women's team. So yeah. clearly – He's done his research. His research probably included, you know, playing with himself and, um, you know, (laughs) taking his Dilutamol tablets and, you know, staring at his photo of the queen or the king on the wall, whatever, and singing, you know, rule Britannia and all this sort of crap. But, you know, he's done his research.
2: (laughs) Dickhead.
3: Uh, Ed, Edward in the comments is reckons Rangers, uh, Rangers Rabble. Rangers mm-hmm. Rabble were baiting. Uh, I'm, yeah, well. I'm not sure. I think he's given them too much credit. Uh,
2: well, <laughs> could, could, could be said they are masters of baiting, but let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find that sound effect. I, was it, right. I, you
3: for that I just went for the a cappella version of it. I was reaching for
0: it, and then you did it, show them like, oh, well. That one. <laughs> and you know because we're talking about them
2: (laughs) reminds me of that time I was driving the motor and I ran over the wee boy with the drum kit oh (laughs) Oh. Oh, come on (laughs) (laughs) right okay I've just killed it I'm sorry moving on moving on (laughs)
3: we're
0: moving on we will get into some of the transfer stuff happening but Yeah, there's quite a few transfer rumours bouncing around. I look at it this way. We've spoken about there's two guys, probably three, that will be moving moving out, let's be honest. So you were saying, Liam, about Iwata coming in and having another good number six. I think that he's been signed to play the position that Abelgaard was brought in on loan for. Yeah. So if Abelgaard goes, fine, whatever, see you later. Itaguchi will go. More than likely, that's all the talk. Yeah. Then the other ones that we're talking about. Okay, so there's four actually. You've got Juranovic, Jack and Mackus. They're the four main guys everyone's talking about. Where there's smoke, there's fire. So we can go through all that sort of stuff. I think I actually sat there today cause, and was watching uh, Inter Milan Monza 2 draw. It was on none the TV. So I was watching that today. And I don't know. The game at Monza, the crowd allowed, but they're small crowds compared to Celtic. Um, they already have a somewhat decent right back. So Monza, I think, would be a bad move for him. Talk there was a loan with like a million pound loan deal with the option to buy for $8 million in the summer. That's what is rumored. Then you've also got Barcelona snooping mm-hmm. around. You've got Atletico, scouting him, all the others. So there's heaps of stuff. So I think there's still plenty to happen there. Uh, Sean, what's your take on the Iranovich one? We'll go through them all individually, go around the group.
3: The, the only way that, that, that anything makes sense with that is if he has a release clause uh, for the summer. Uh, so, so the whole loan to then obligation to buy in the summer would suggest to me that he has a 7 or £8 million uh, pound release clause that triggers uh, in June or July or whatever like that. Uh, and the only way that makes sense is if we, now the reason why any player would have a release clause like that coming to Celtic would be that we brought them in on a very low salary to begin with. So, if you're bringing in players on low salaries, then what their agents will do is a trade off for that and say, Well, if that's what you think my client is worth, then we'll put a release clause in that uh, matches that salary, uh, which is to me suggests. And I'm actually going to say, I reckon based on the chat about Jack and salary and the fees which he's also been mentioned i'm going to say he also probably has a similar release clause now these two players both arrived at the same time i believe they were both dominic mckay products of negotiation uh which again this is not something we've ever done in the past we've never had release clauses but it might well be that dominic mckay is taking a different tact on these things and, and shaved a couple of thousand off the weekly salary by by doing that by allowing these players to have the release clauses now should be rev- again. I don't know this, I'm just basing that on uh the the talk that's going around. Is, it, is it's the only thing that makes sense to me for the the numbers that are going around and the timing of what's happening. Do you guys agree? Do you think I'm wrong?
2: I think it no, makes I'd, sense, yeah. Numbers wise, the, the, that's the only way that a, an offer like that would even get close for a, a player who's you know played in, a, played in the world cup, uh, you know, later stages. Um, international, you know, so many caps, whatever. Now, the the, I, the other thing is that apparently when he left Legia Warsaw, their fans were cracking up because there was a similar clause in the contract he had with them. So, yeah, it could be a Dominic Mackay thing, but it could also be something that Juranovic himself, his agent, has insisted on as well, part of the deal. 18
0: months at every club, Liam. If you look at mm. his club history, it's 18 months to two years at every club. So,
2: yeah. Yep. So that that would that would uh, that would chime with uh, with what we suspect, because there's no way he goes for under fifteen million, um, if if we can dictate the terms. Um, well, so on yeah, that something's not right there.
0: Vanessa said she'll take five million for Gigi and fifteen for Juranovic. I think if we could get fifteen or twenty for Juranovic and about eight eight million for Giacomo, eight to ten, that's more like it. Now, if Juranovic hmm. has a as a clause in the summer then wouldn't we be looking at it going all right let's try and flog him now and get him get him off the wage bill now and get him his move now and take more money than that if someone desperately wants him well i think that's, that's much-
3: the that's the point of the loan isn't it we're going to get a one and a half million loan fee and then they'll pay the release clause in the summer something like that so you're getting release clause plus the next four months
0: yeah, no, I was saying more like, okay, if if you've got say Barcelona or Atletico looking at him and they want him now, for instance, then, all right, you want him now. You know he's got a clause for eight million. Give us twelve plus add-ons after so many, it brings him up to fifteen, or whatever. You'd look at doing something like that to get more than that nine to ten million. You'd get there, but anyway, we've already okay. got we've already got his replacement in the door. He's playing well. So, at the end of the day, sometimes. Addition by subtraction is the best way to go.
2: I mean, the one clause goes out the window if there's two teams that want them badly enough. That, that's that's always the thing to remember. Um, I, don't, yeah. I don't
3: think so, because they just both... Like, they can't outbid each other at that point. They just... Do you know
2: what I mean? Uh, actually, aye, uh, you're right. Yeah, sorry, I'm talking mince. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> it,
3: it becomes a battle for wage at that point. Aye. A sal- aye it's sal- said about a what, salary what, drives up. who
2: does the player want. Aye, aye yeah. you're right. But yeah, like
3: in terms of Gigi going for five million as well, I'd say um he is worth more than five million as uh like if Kyogo tears a hamstring next week, then we'd really regret having lost Jacomakus for five million. He's worth more than that. Uh the amount of money we could get for winning the league and the fact we'll have hopefully two cup finals in the next four months, I'd say I wouldn't be letting for Jacky go for less than I don't know, $10 million. But again, there could be a release clause involved. And, and my main concern with no matter what the fee is for Jack Giacomacchus would be we don't have a replacement in the door at the moment. So
0: we've got mm-hmm. a couple of comments here on the Jack Giacomacchus thing. No, Jameson, Juranovic one where Andrew Galeau, when Juranovic came in, we only had Rolston, who was yet to develop into what he is now. Maybe we had to accept the clause to get him in the door. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Quite then, awesome. yeah, true. John Dean has also, if JJ has a release clause of $8 million, why would clubs just pay that?
3: What do you mean? Like, I why would clubs?
0: About, like, you know, I'm saying, well, get him to pay more now for him. He's probably saying, well, why would they when you could get him for eight million in the summer?
3: Yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah, I'm agreeing with John there. It would They would just pay the eight million. And if they want him now, then they would pay the eight million and, and then whatever the loan fee would be. Because, uh, like, that's probably the only reason he's still here at the moment is because his yeah. agent's going around telling teams he's available in June for this much. So the only teams that are coming in now are ones that need a right back between now and June. Otherwise, you're just going to wait.
1: Like that's a most, good point. Yeah, that's a good point because obviously the chatter just you know during the World Cup and post the World Cup you know we were wondering how long he would actually be around for, and you know all of a sudden it's dragging you out a bit longer, and then this figure comes up, and and I hadn't really formulated in my head. I think you've articulated what the situation is perfectly. Like I couldn't work out why we were looking at this going, well, he's worth 20 mil or close to 20 mil or 20 mil plus, and then all of a sudden they're coming in at 7 mil and going, something's not right here. But then what you've explained makes perfect sense, and and you're right. Um, If his agent's going around saying, look, you can get him for this value in summer, uh, I think probably that backs up John's point, which is, well, why why would they cave in and pay more now? They'll just wait.
3: I'd say it's also a reasonable explanation for why we keep taping, taking these Japanese players on loan to buy as well. Uh, so I don't know if that's something we can dig into and see if that's true. But that's three players now, I believe, from Japan that we've taken uh, in January on loan for six months with an obligation to buy in June. It might be to do with just accounting, like just But we're paying paying so little for these players. That also, to me, seems like release clause. Because we paid, what, three and a half, four million for Kyogo? But every other player we're saying for Japan has been like one, one and a half million. You've got to imagine these players have got uh, release clauses that trigger when a European club comes in in the summer
0: or summer. Over to you, you, Liam. You've discussed this before. Over to you.
2: Yeah, um, that's a possibility, but um, I wouldn't be so sure about it because the, the low... Fee, the, the relatively low fees we've paid for the G, the Japanese players are not necessarily connected to their future movement. It's the idea that when a Japanese player has the chance to go to Europe, it's kind of the, the J League's responsibility to make sure it happens because it's good for the profile of Japanese football and it's good for the national team to have more players playing in Europe. So hence why someone like Kubo, who was, you know, being touted as the next big prospect in Japan after Nakata, after Nakamura, he went to Real Madrid initially for something like 1.6 million. And when we signed Kyogo, I think that was actually the, the J-League, uh, the record for a player leaving the J-League at that time um, or close to it. So the idea actually is just the, 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 the Japanese clubs don't want to get in the way of a player's ambition. So they sell for a relatively low price, but in turn they can then go go and sign good players within Japan for a fraction of that again. So it's a bit like Celtic in the sense that we buy we buy low we sell higher. In Japan, you know Yokohama got um, got Maeda for something like two or three hundred thousand, and they've then sold him to us for about two million. So it's still a several-fold profit for them. But then we would then be looking to move him on for 10 to 12 million if we sell him in a year or two. You know, it's just the next rung down on the ladder, really. Um, and uh, that is why, and we'll come to it in a minute, why I don't think Marcus is going to Japan because the numbers just do not make sense.
0: Yeah, that's the next one. But before we go to that, there's one comment here from John Dean I want to bring up. he's going to also say, if we think JJ is worth 15 million or more, would Celtic pay that now to get him ourselves? Already our player, so we'll be paying ourselves on that based on that. John, so don't I understand. think he means if
3: there was if Juranovic was elsewhere, would we pay 15 million to bring him
2: here?
0: Is that what you meant? Because mean? there's no chance we pay that our club records no. what nine million for Edward? So, yeah,
2: we don't pay above that's... seven or eight million for anybody, that's just not, that's... not in our
0: game plan. 15 million is the all time Scottish record for Tor Andre Flo when he went to yeah, it actually was Rangers back then, so yeah. <laughs>
3: I look, it's economies of scale, isn't it? Like, um, Shakhtar Donetsk selling Mudrik soon. Uh, if teams like RB Leipzig were coming in, they'd be saying, Oh, yeah, 25 30 million. But when teams like Arsenal and uh, Man United are coming in, then obviously,
0: you Premier League money, it's the Premier League yeah. tax. Yep, yeah, so it's, it's not just
3: to do with the selling club, it's to do with the buying club as well.
0: Yep, all right, so we're talking about um, George's Jack and Marcus rumors. So, as Liam just touched on. He's been linked with Ura, Uwara Red Diamonds. I don't know, I've completely butchered that. Have not I, Liam? It's a team.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: In Japan, he's had Sampdoria in Italy, and then there's unnamed teams in the Middle East, the MLS, Russia, and Germany are all also talking to his agent. So, if you've been there, you look at it this way: he was the top goal scorer in Holland, top goal scorer in Scotland last year. He's not getting a start every week. I can understand his frustrations, why he'd want to move on. But, Liam, you were saying about the Red Diamonds, you've mentioned that they're basically the Huns of, of Japan. So, yeah. we'll throw that one over to you.
3: The West Coast Eagles of Japan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to do that. How uh, dare you How dare nice you nice love my style. clubbing with them?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, well... Our Reds have a reputation for uh, racism amongst their supporters. They were fined several million yen and forced to play, I think it was two or three games behind closed doors back in 2017, 2016, um, because their their fans unveiled an anti-Korean banner when they, the opposing team had a Korean striker. Um, but they have a reputation for doing that to other, other nationalities as well, not just Koreans. Um, they and it's a bit like in the sense that you know, for all for the longest time, the old Rangers wouldn't sign a Catholic. Um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, shall we say, animosity towards Urawa signing anybody who wasn't Japanese. Um, so they're, they're, they're a particularly nasty team, they've got a hooligan element amongst their support. Uh, I don't like them, I don't like them at all, but they are. In terms of support, probably the second biggest team in Japan are Yokohama. Um, but they are not the type of team that's going to pay seven or eight million pounds for uh, a player. Um, what, what kind of crowds would they get? Kind of when, regularity. You're saying, so, when you're saying
3: they're the second biggest team, what sort of crowds would they get? Right.
2: Uh, average gate, probably twenty-five to 30,000, but their stadium has been holed up to 60. Um, okay, so it'd so, be like uh, the, the third biggest team in Scotland, kind of thing. Aye, aye. The, if you, I mean, they're probably about the same size as, like, to think of an English example, maybe like a, a Fulham or a Brentford or something like that. Um, hmm. You know, so twenty-five thousand. The stadium,
0: 30, the stadium um, capacity is
3: sixty-three thousand seven
0: hundred. Yeah, it's more more than
2: us. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean they 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 played Nash they played Japan national games there before. I think it was one of the World Cup stadiums, the Saitama yeah, 2002 was. stadium. Yeah. Yep. Aye. Right. Um, but yeah, they they have Mitsubishi behind them, which means they do have the money to pay seven or eight million for a player. But with the J League economy, that just does not make sense. Um, they could get a player as good as Jackamakis for about. Probably a third of that, if they shopped more, shall we say more locally? Um, quite, a, quite. You get quite a lot of Brazilian players coming into Japan because it's easier for them to nationalise. So that gets around the, the 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 five foreigners rule. Um, you also have other other Asian countries, you know, Korea, uh, China, whatever they they like to facilitate uh, moves into the J League because the J League is regarded as the premier league in, in Asia, certainly Eastern Asia. So, um, yeah. So I'm the, surprised the
3: whole... what you're saying there about them being easy to nationalise, as in to get a passport, because Japan is absolutely infamous for taking absolutely zero refugees every year. Aye,
2: Unless they're good at sports. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, it's a, right? so it's a Qatar thing? Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, Basically, aye. Um, I mean, if you, it's not as bad as it used to be, but, for example, the 1998 World Cup the Japan squad, I think five or six of that squad were born in Brazil. Mm. Um, There was Wagner Lopez, there was Tulio, there was about five or six of them. But anyway, I'm I'm going off on a tangent. The the Brazilians in particular, um, because there's a lot of Japanese Brazilians um, just historically. um, There's a lot of movement between the two countries. So they do do make it easier for them to nationalise. It's uh, usually, once you've been in the country for... Now, someone like me Technically, I could go for a Japanese passport once I've been in the country for five years, but I'm highly unlikely to get it. Um, there's a fast track where sports players, I think, can get it within three years, um, uh, possibly less if they have even the slightest hint of a Japanese lineage, um, you know, the old Japanese granny or whatever. Um, but, yeah, with with Brazilian players, that there's there's definitely a a pathway to make that happen more more regularly which is why if you look at all the top j league transfers of all time most of them are Brazilians uh, but the top foreign transfers anyway so okay, yeah i,
0: got some I for you, Liam on the mm-hmm. Urawa uh, Red Diamonds yeah so last season the average crowd was 23,617 people per game nailed it and in 2019, before lockdowns, UR Red Diamonds were ranked number 48 of all the clubs in the world for the average match attendance. Mm-hmm. 48 in the world. Yeah, with an average of 36,468. So, with their stadium, and everything, they can understand all of that. But, yeah, just getting back to Jack and Mackus for a minute, like looking yeah. at some, I'll up some of the comments that so we can discuss them. So,. Mm-hmm. Edward Wyavoz is saying GG should be five times what Morelos is going for. Five times nothing is still nothing, mate, nothing. because, you know, <laughs> he's about to go on a free.
2: But the but point ben is... Ben valid. is only, he is only a fifth, a fifth of the size of Morelos, so, you know.
3: The, the, the point is absolutely valid, though, that and Marcus is the second yeah, best striker in Scotland.
2: Yeah. Yep, 100%. Yep. And
0: then we've got a couple of comments here from Andrew Galea. So, if Andrew really rated GG, he wouldn't be going. Andrew obviously thinks we can trade up. I reckon... Tr- Cho is a trade-up. And then to follow up on that, GG can finish. Cho looks better with the ball at his feet, plus he can finish. So, look, I'd be happy to have both of them, to be honest with you, because as I said last week, Kyogo is one type of striker. Jack and Max is another. Cho's like the middle between the two of them. So I'd be happy with that. And then we've got – um, hate to see Liam here from down at the Tassie CSC. hate to see GG go for too little – but there has to be something behind it, 100%. That's what we were saying. Mahesh is coming up saying, Anthony Joseph thinks Celtic are the front runner for Cho despite a high Minnesota bid. We'll discuss that in a couple of minutes. Gorilla in Manila. Looking at the clubs that are in for Jackamacus, we should be capable of keeping him. He's a big, strong physical striker who can score goals for fun. A player like that is not easy to come by. Exactly. I agree with you. We should be able to keep him, but it's going to be a wage thing, in my opinion. There you go. Angelo has got a nice comment. Brisbane Raw could go for Morales as a last resort. Mm. Slight problem. Brisbane's just as broke
1: as the Huns.
3: Yeah, they just really? lost uh, to Perth Glory last night. That's how bad they are.
1: Wow, They've actually, actually been in decent form, getting good, pretty good results. The Perth result was a little bit of a shock.
3: Yeah, we're homeless in they lost us.
2: Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I know. I know nothing about Brisbane beyond that Billy Connolly quote. He said, "If the world needs an enema, they should insert it in Brisbane." So, that's, that's that's all I know about Brisbane. Geez, man,
3: there's not much going on there.
2: One one, one
3: other thing about uh Chogu's Cho song is I've not thought about it until I heard it uh, somewhere else. I can't remember now. Is he's hey, Sean? Confused? Do you
0: want to just let me throw to you for that then? Yes, yeah, sorry. Because yeah. I was going to talk about Chogu so. <laughs> <laughs> next. So Love the it. where Mays was saying that we're the front runner for it. Well, Celtic so have outbid Maine's with an offer about three million pounds. Apparently, we're meeting with um, the director of football for his club Park ji Sung in London later this week to discuss the move further. Minnesota, of what I've heard, read and heard, have they've matched the same bid as us? But what were you going to say, Sean?
3: I was going to say something that uh, I've heard that I hadn't considered previously is that he's already completed his military national service, so he would, we wouldn't. That's not something we'd have to factor into his future value.
0: That's a good one, yeah. So, as Liam's saying, Liam from Tassie, not Liam here. Are we all on the cho cho train then?
3: I think so. Yeah.
0: I think yeah. he's a guy – He's the, I saw a tweet earlier today as well, but it was like there's that guy playing for, what is it, Rosenborg or something, Tangstad Tengst, or whatever it is. Kas, what's it, Casper Tenstead, I think. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> There you go. So he's banging in the goals for fun as well, Danish international. The rumours are we're further down the road with him than we currently are with Cho. But a bid's in for both players. Now – Vanessa's brought this up, saying so Hun's sniffing around for Cho. Nonsense. They can, you know what? Yeah. They can sniff around anything. They don't have the money to make an offer. So <laughs> they can be linked in yeah. any. We're starting to see the old media story where Celtic and Rangers are linked for blah, blah, blah. So it's like a, a battle for the players. Come on now. Mm-hmm. They don't have money. They couldn't, they couldn't afford to buy themselves a new washing machine.
2: This is all part yeah, of the, the attempt to construct the narrative where... Rangers will say, we went in for him, we decided, we decided we don't want him, so he's going to Celtic and it's like, yeah mate, you were never actually in the bidding Um, but, you know they can then, the media can then create this narrative that he's a Rangers cast off that we've managed to somehow pick up you know Um, Mm -hmm. nah, it's just a complete and utter fabrication Yeah, Um, let's just see
0: him do that like they tried to do with uh, John Hartson back in the day
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, just on the um, on Cho, and just to sort of take a, a circle back a little bit to what Sean was mentioning um, about Jackamakis. So I share the same concerns as Sean in a sense that um, if he does go, uh, unless we get someone like Cho in or Tengsted, we don't really have that, I guess, really good second fiddle striker, if you will. And seeing Jackamakis on the weekend uh, against Killy and just... And we've said it a couple of times, but that different dynamic that he provides in comparison to when Kyogo plays is really valuable and really helpful um, when you're looking to sort of either get that elusive second goal, even get a goal if you're still uh, deadlocked, or even push on further because it just gives the defenders who have sort of prepped themselves for Kyogo and really kind of honed in on stopping him you bring Jacomacos on and all of a sudden he's kind of got the hop on them with the way that he plays and the way that he moves. And, you know, he looked great against Killy and he should have scored to make it three or four nil. And seeing him like that, all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I would love to sa- I would love to keep him because he is valuable. But if he does go, uh, we've got to have Cho or Tengstead come in, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and I think that's why he hasn't gone yet, because we were not even considering entertaining offers for Juranovic until Johnson came in. And I think that's kind of the way forward now, is that even going back as far as, uh, you know, when we brought in Edward, while we still had... Uh, we still had... Uh, oh, I'm going to blank you. Dembele, you know, we we brought him in while we still had him with the view to Edward being his successor... And, and yes. I Griffith as Aye. well. Aye. Um, but the the idea that um, we don't get rid of a player until we have either a replacement or an improvement lined up. And I agree with what people have been saying that Cho is is, a, is an improvement on Giacomacus. I think he has everything that Giacomacus has to his game and more. Um, but... Um, the, the, this boy from Rosenberg is one I know absolutely nothing about. I'll be quite honest with you. So. Well, well thro- throwing it out there, um, hmm. if
1: Jackamakis goes, is there a possibility that we bring in both Chow and Tengstead, or is it one or the other? We simply won't be able to afford both.
0: Well, but to, but to answer that, we'll go through some comments first, Shane, and then I'll answer you. Because I'm looking at this going, so you've got, you're saying that then Liam O'Connor's like, we need another striker. So it's almost like we need one anyway, even if we kept Jack and But then RL77 was saying before, GG is also very valuable when we are defending. That's Mm. something that hasn't been touched on. Vanessa was saying big commercial opportunity for Celtic in Korea if we buy Cho. Mahesha said... Anthony Joseph mentioned $4.2 million bid for Cho from Minnesota, upping Celtic's bid of $3.4 million, but his good friend Son from Spurs has told Cho to come to Europe, so hopefully that plays in his favour. And then you've got... Um, Gigi almost dropped back in the midfield to get that long-range effort. But and they, the last comment here was, Gigi can't stick a pass with his back to goal. So where you're saying do we need to bring both in? Potentially, but it's going to depend how much we get for Jack and Mac. It's Like If we get Cho in first, great. There's a few teams in like Germany and Italy are also looking at Tengstead, so that one may become a bit of a bidding war. So if one goes out, one has to come in as an absolute minimum, but I currently think we're already one striker down anyway.
3: Uh, I've said that before and I'll say it again. I think... We need three top strikers, but I also think we're tricking this uh, by having Maeda on the left wing. So I think by having four wingers and two strikers and also Maeda is either your fifth winger or your third striker, I think we're kind of gaming, you're off, yeah. gaming that a little bit mm-hmm. at the moment.
0: Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web solution makes the process nice and simple as it should be. If you've listened to the Celtic Down Under podcast, you know we strive to have a quality show and Zencastr provides us with both crystal clear quality sound and HD video. It's easy to use, works a treat for us, there's nothing to download, we just click on the link and start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy, and with everything from local recording to automatic post-productions, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode recorded, edited and released. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CelticDownUnder. You will get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Now, Michael Ross, hail, hail, sorry I'm a bit late. Come on, mate, lift your game. Nah, <laughs> any kidding. Thanks for tuning in. Just hit that notification bell so you'll get notified when we go live every Wednesday. So, um, yeah, glad you're on board. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in with the comments. We've got two more little uh, transfer things to talk about and then we'll uh, wrap the podcast up. So, apparently, Stephen Welsh is moving to Hibs on a permanent deal. That's the talk, to replace Porteous. Mm-hmm. What well, with Kobayashi coming in, all the centre backs we've got. I'll throw it to you first, Liam. What's your thoughts on that move? Good business, bad business. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, it's um, it's good for Welsh because he needs to be. Is at the age now where he needs to be playing every week, and he will play every week at Hibs because he's definitely good enough. In fact, probably better than that level. Um, but it's just as soon as we signed Kobayashi, I thought that's it for Welsh because his only chance of really getting back into the first team was going to be if Carter Vickers or um, Starfield picked up a long-term injury. And then you've got Jens, and then now you've also got Kobayashi. So basically, he's he's three injuries away from getting a game, which is not a place to be when you're a young developing player. So, yeah, Hibs are a good team. They play good football. I think he will do well there, and I think it's I think it's good for all concerned. Yeah, so it's a shame it's not work to it, but I wish him well.
0: My take, and I've said it before, is I thought he needed a Chris I sort of move. So I was hoping we'd send him on loan second half of this season and still hang around. But if he wants to go on a permanent and he goes to Hibbs, great. He can go to Hibbs on a permanent, but I want us to have either a nice big chunky sell-on fee mm. or the um a buyback option or both. If he's going to stay in Scotland, that's great. We can do that, but then give us both of them. So if, say we want to buy him back in two years time, we can get him back for 3 million pound or something. Great. If they get sold for 5 million, then we get 60% of it. So we're making the same money anyway. Big chunk of cash. That's what I'd like to see. But Sean, what do you think?
3: I'm actually, well, what I was, when I was thinking about this, I was like, oh no, we can't. Cause like, same thing you kind of guys are saying with, well, I mean, you know, would be quite remorseful if we lost him and he became a player. Uh, but, also, oh, you know, because sometimes players kind of click a little bit later, and then the one that I was thinking of as an example was Anthony Ralston. And then I went and checked, and Tony Ralston is one year younger than Stephen, uh, one year older than Stephen Welsh. Stephen Welsh turns twenty three next week, yeah. so um, surely. Yeah, and he's had 18 months under Postacoglu. I think we're now at the point where if he's been developing for 18 months, I know first-team football makes a big difference, but Postacoglu, I trust his judgment after 18 months with a player who is now turning 23 next week to to say this guy's not going to cut it.
1: Yep, so, I wholeheartedly yeah. agree with everything that's been said. It's a good move for him, and uh, I'm sure he'll get first-team football, but uh, like you said, Jared would probably want those... Um, Extra caveats um, uh, inserted into any uh, any permanent deal. Now,
0: Liam in Tassie has said buyback or percentage sounds like football manager. Where do you think I got the idea, mate? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Galea is. I'd, I'd rather keep Welsh, loan him out, and lose yens.
2: Hmm. Disagree with that. I'm afraid.
0: Yeah, Same. But- yeah. Yeah, disagree. Then we've got Mahesh here, which is – there's also Lowell who looks better than Welsh. I would agree. From what I've yeah. seen, Yeah, he's a better prospect. And Andrew said that sometimes we're going to have to lose our favourites to improve the squad overall. And I look at it like Welsh is at that point where he hasn't broken in. Andrew's seen enough of him. He's going to be the sort of guy, you know, that we can sell on as an asset to bring in future money as well to help keep this going while bringing Lowell – through, Lowell through and Kobayashi then I'm happy with that
3: yep we still got uh, Dane Murray who's 19 as well
0: yeah big I've got big view on him as well incoming Kobayashi and Lowell outgoing Welsh and Jens I'll keep Jens for the rest of the season just for numbers that's the only reason I keep him you don't want to be the club that cancels like year long loan deals halfway through like multiple mm-hmm. in one season And if we're doing that with Abel Guard, you don't want to be doing that for Jens as well.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: Last one, Liam. Mm. It's being reported that Southampton, you know, that mob down there who just think, oh, we need to find a player. Who does Celtic have? Mm. Apparently sending scouts up to the League Cup semi on the weekend to watch Maeda. Mm. Is that being mentioned in Japan, first of all? And what's your thoughts?
2: Uh, No, it's not been mentioned in Japan. Um, From what I understand, Southampton are pursuing several striking options. And one of the guys that is part of their conversation is Maeda. But there's been no firm interest whatsoever. And in Japan, where we have actual journalists, they don't report this kind of stuff until there is actually something to report. This is just another case of the Daily Record trying to fabricate something to unsettle Celtic ahead of a cup semi-final. So, Stocks in. Yep. Yep. Um, they can go and chase themselves. If anybody knows anything about chasing, it's Maeda. So. <laughs> <laughs> for
0: me, it doesn't make sense for a simple fact, right, that they're last in the Premier League and the way they're trying to play wouldn't suit Maeda because you've seen him in Japan playing on the counter and you've seen him with us with the pressing. They don't play either of those styles. So from a stylistic pl- style of play, I don't see that as being a good move for Maeda. Now, if they wanted to stump up $15 million and take Giacomacchus, he would suit them more than Maeda would mm. and the situation they're in.
3: yeah yeah Wait, our japanese strikers not for sale but come interest you in this greek product which is just <laughs> <a bit. laughs>
0: love this comment from angelo those who told southampton to go see a taxidermist and to get
1: stuffed yes <laughs> it's um to take a a little bit of a different view on it um I think it's not surprising. I mean, obviously, it doesn't sound like Southampton's a good fit, but it's not surprising that other clubs would be looking at Maeda. Um, you know, he's he had a, a really good World Cup uh, run, and then since he's returned to Celtic after that World Cup run, uh, he's been excellent. So uh, I'm not surprised that clubs will will potentially come in and look at him as a as an option.
0: Now, what we'll do. Is bring up Liam Intazzi's comment here. It would be good if Daily Rangers would write about some jerseys going. Oh, that's real. All the offers are accepted. Yeah, they're all out of contract. It's like Adram out of contract. So um Abada's got an upgrade, so that's good news is thing. Made a call boss. Can't see him leaving to be relegated. Exactly. So I think overall to watch this space, it's a load of bullshit. It's they trying to unsettle, unsettle the Celtic machine that is dominating life yet again in Scotland. So, before we uh, end the podcast, just if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to So Down Under Podcast through your podcast app. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like the channel, hit that notification bell so you get notified every Wednesday when we go live, and you'll also get the notification for Sean's Monday satire weekend wraps, which are pretty good we're liking them so uh keep an eye out for them as well um also on that buy our merch me and shane being the models tonight we've got the t-shirts the hoodies nice thick warm ones as well you can get them as well www.soddickdownunder.square.site they're available on there um other than that we'll go to our final thoughts so i'll go with my final thought first I want to say congratulations to Ryan Christie, former Celtic player and his missus. Uh, Ryan has actually got a shot on target and got one through the keeper. Congratulations on your, uh, on the announcement that he's going to be parents soon. Well
2: done. Yeah. How are you, Liam? God. Right. Well, I'm going to leave you with a wee bit of mathematics here, actually. Um, a statistic which I'm which I saw on Twitter with uh, at everything Celtic. Here's a wee thing to think about: Dyson Maeda, Said Haksavanovic, and Tomoki Iwata, combined cost the same as Ben Davis. Joe Hart, Matt O'Reilly, Rio Hatate, the combined cost the same as Ridvan Yilmaz. Who I don't think's actually started a game for Rangers yet. Spend smart, not big.
3: Yeah. So yeah, just uh if anyone that's uh some people were asking about the weekend roundup and uh the audio version of it. Uh, there's actually videos overlaid of me talking of like the goals and red card instance and things like that, which is why we're running it on the, the video only. Uh so any any feedback. Yeah. So yeah. So it's on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. So, but any feedback at all on that roundup uh, would be quite good because I'm, I'm only started it two weeks ago, so it's still a product uh, in development. But if you'd like to, if you do also want to have that audio version, uh, maybe just let us know. and We'll see uh, how that develops going forward. Uh, any feedback
0: appreciated. Thank you, Shane. Your final thought?
1: Uh, look, just a quick one from me. Uh, shout out to my partner who celebrated her birthday. Over the past weekend. Oh my, it's and, yeah. And shout out to everyone who came and uh, helped celebrate uh, what was a special day. And also, uh, go the Eagles.
3: <laughs> Flag of 2023. Have a good
0: <laughs> one, everyone. Thanks for tuning in yet again. Hail, hail. See you next week. LL. Hail,
2: hail. Well. Well.